In a few moments, we'll read again from Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, at chapter 3, verses 7, uh, reading on to chapter 4, verse 2. And that will be, if you want to get your finger in the place ready, that will be at page 1002, 1002. But before we do that, let's all turn together to the Old Testament, uh, to the book of Numbers, and we read two passages from there uh, in chapter 14. And those are uh, beginning from verse 1 to verse 11, uh, and then picking it up from verse 21 to 25. Uh, And uh, just to put it in context, we pick up the story with God's people on the edge of the land he promised to give them. But they are refusing to believe that God can do it. So chapter 14, verse 1. Hear the word of God. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would, we, would that we had died in this wilderness, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? And then uh, picking it up at 21... The Lord said, But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers." And none of those who despise me 
shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. And now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. And we now turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And this passage is from verse 7 to in, reading into chapter 4, and leaving off at uh, chapter, uh, verse 2. Sorry. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years... Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." Thank you very much. Um, Please do keep page 1002 open in front of you. And let me add my welcome, warm welcome, even though the air is chilly, um, to Chalmers this morning. It's really good to have you with us. Uh, It's a real privilege to gather together as a church family, as Robin has been saying, um, to sit under God's word together. And I'm going to pray as we set out for um, his help to to listen um, with soft hearts. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we've just sung... We do pray you would speak to us through your word, and we pray that we would have soft hearts, open ears, and changed lives as a result. Please help us today as we hear your voice, not to harden our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I was saying to the 9.30 service, um, uh, 
we'll be able to remember painful family road trips. Um, I guess for this service, you might remember them as children. Um, in that service, there were lots of kind of haggard-looking parents nodding and saying, yes, we had one of those quite recently. Um, but uh, Jesse and I once were on a family road trip that, that um, it was just a disaster. It really was. I mean, many family road trips are quite horrible. Um, there's, there's kind of few experiences in life where you can predictably have such a, a terrible time. Um, but this was, this was an eight-hour drive south. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be eight hours um, never a good sign when you get to North Berwick and people are already asking, are we nearly there yet? Because <laughs> it's kind of coming from the back. Um, but we had a strategy this time. Our strategy was um, to dr- drive through the night. We thought that will keep the kids quiet because they'll be asleep and the traffic will be fine. Turns out the middle of the night is when they choose to fix motorways. Didn't realize that. And so we got kind of bumped off into this side road, long convoy of slow-moving lorries. Sadly, even though it was the middle of the night, the, the speed dropped and the kids woke up. And so now, screaming, overtired, the question comes, are we nearly there yet? And no, we're stuck behind 35 HGVs on a B road near Doncaster. Darling. <laughs> It was such a disastrous journey that we actually literally, Jesse and I, turned to each other afterwards and said, never again like that. <laughs> like, like, we can't do it like that again. We've got to learn our lessons from that disastrous journey. I and mean, if you're interested in what the lessons were, uh, we now start crazy o'clock in the morning rather than the evening. Uh, we, um, we check the road closures before we start and we give the kids separate headphones so that they can control the music and not fight about it themselves. Um, Why am I giving you kind of family travel planning lessons? Well, because learning from a disastrous journey is exactly what Hebrews 3 and 4 gives us. These lessons from a journey which was a disaster. We read Numbers 14 because that that is the disastrous journey. When Israel were out of Egypt on their way to God's promised land there was a total disaster, a far more serious disaster than our own nocturnal kind of diversions along the A1. What journey are we talking about? Well, you can see um, from verse 8 of our passage, chapter 3, verse 8 of Hebrews, you can see that this is the journey that God's people took through the wilderness. Uh, And it was a journey that should only have taken a matter of months, but actually ended up taking 40 years. I mean, imagine the family conversations on that one. Are we nearly there yet? <laughs> but actually, sadly, for the generation of adults over 20, they were never going to get there. It got to the point, the relationship with God broke down to the point where God swore that he, they would not enter his rest. The children came in, but the parents didn't. It was an absolutely disastrous journey. And Hebrews is saying... You've got to learn from that. Never again. Never take that route. Never do what they did. Never fall into the same trap they did, the same mistakes they made. I say that Hebrews 3 says that, but actually Psalm 95 says that, and Hebrews is going to preach Psalm 95 to us. It's going to take Psalm 95, quote it, and then apply it to us. Um, that's why, if you look at the Bibles on page 1002, the inset text from verses 7 to 11, that's a quote from Psalm 95. And if you scan your eyes down through chapter 3 and the start of chapter 4, you'll, you'll see lots of times he's going to quote it. He's going to come back to it. Um, so like uh, 3 verse 15, today if you hear his voice, as it said, don't harden your hearts. Or 4 verse 5, or 
um, 4 verse 3 or uh, 4 verse 7. He, he just keeps quoting from this, from this psalm. So he's effectively giving us a sermon on Psalm 95, expounding it to us, telling us why it matters to us today. Now, just to say, uh, if you're in small groups, we're going to do all of 3, 7 to 4, 13 as a wanna, like a big one, big wanna. So you might want to concentrate and, and kind of get reading that passage um, to have a good discussion. But on Sundays, we're going to do it in three weeks. So today I'm just doing 3, 7 to 19, and then Robin will do the next two bits of chapter 4 after that. That's enough introduction. What's the actual message? Well, we've got two big questions. There's an outline on the back of the sheet if you want it. Two big questions today. Question number one, what does the Holy Spirit have to say to the church today? It's question one, what does the Holy Spirit have to say to the church today? And then question two is, why does that matter so much? What does the Holy Spirit have to say to the church today? Quite a striking question like that, isn't, uh, put like that, isn't it? Because if you look around the church scene today, and, I, and I'm aware some of you undergraduate students are, because you're church shopping and working out where to settle, there'd be all sorts of claims about what the Holy Spirit says to the church today. Lots of excitement about that, lots of confusion about that. What is the contemporary voice of the Holy Spirit today? Well, chapter 3, verse 7, just have a look. Look at the tense. Hebrews 3, 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Striking that, isn't it? Because he's quoting from Psalm 95, which was written like hundreds of years before, King David's time. And he's saying what, what God said then through David, the Holy Spirit says now to us, today. In one sense, that shouldn't be a surprise. The Spirit inspired Scripture. God breathed, uh, the Bible is. Uh, the Bible is the sword of the Holy Spirit. It's how he gets into our hearts, kind of works in and through the Bible. God's word endures, so perhaps it shouldn't be a surprise. But I think it is striking. It's one of the reasons we're keen here as a church to get the Bible open, to to have it in our laps and to be looking at it carefully. Because I work under the absolute conviction that anything God has to say, God the Holy Spirit, is more interesting than something I would have to say or or, um, more important than anything we could come up with. And today, the Spirit says to us, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. I think that's even more striking, given that sometimes sometimes the Bible can be pushed into the background when people are talking about what the Spirit is saying today. Sometimes that's on ethical grounds, kind of we've moved beyond the, the ethics of the Bible, we've got progressive values and the Spirit is leading the church to understand that now. Sometimes experiential grounds, uh, kind of close the Bibles, let's listen to the Spirit now, kind of what, what we're feeling in our hearts. But Hebrews 3, 7 says, the Spirit says to us right now, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's what Israel did on the disastrous journey. That is, they had God's promises, God's word, God's gospel, and they threw it in the bin. It was a disaster. Let's just clarify what we mean by the voice here. Um, I've got some pictures. Uh, so if you're feeling cold, this hopefully will warm you up. Um, <laughs> that's wishful thinking, isn't it? Uh, let's just clarify the voice. So what voice is in view? Well, Hebrews so far, remember, we've heard a lot about God speaking, his voice. Um, so uh, we've heard that God spoke in the past through prophets, through angels, through Moses. 
And we've heard that God's spoken climactically through his son. Now, the point of that comparison isn't to say, ignore the prophets, the angels, Moses, kind of throw the Old Testament in the bin. No, the point was, that's worth listening to, and Jesus is climactically worth listening to. Whatever you do, listen to him as well as them. Now, here's the question. Where do you find those words, the words from God through the prophets, the angels, the, Moses, the son? Well, really, basically, in the Bible. I, mean, look, I don't know if you can see that. There's a picture of a Bible at the bottom there. And that's where we find them, places like Psalm 95. So what voice are we talking about? We're talking about God's word here. Um, you can see that even in the passage. If you look on to chapter 4, verse um, th- 12, he's going to go on to say, uh, talk about the word of God, um, 4, verse 12, and how it, it can... Um, kind of get into our hearts. That's what we're saying today. It's all about what happens when you hear God's word. When you hear the Bible taught, or you read it, or you're in a small group discussing it, well, there's a lesson to learn, a lesson from the journey. And the basic lesson is, if you hear his voice, his word, do not harden your hearts like Israel did in the rebellion. It was fatal when Israel did that. Just to show you, kind of show us what we're talking about here. We're talking about the time in the Bible when Israel were on the wilderness journey. And so they'd come out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they were on the way to God's promised land. What was supposed to be a short journey in terms of distance. But on that way, they grumbled. Um, they were headed to God's promised rest, but... Um, this is not actually very accurate. The only stick man I currently have is smiling. And they weren't smiling. Actually, on the, on the journey in the desert, they were grumbling, grumbling and grumbling, complaining against God. You haven't given them enough food. You haven't given us enough water. The, f- the, the food you have given us supernaturally is not varied enough. Grumble, grumble, grumble. They actually started to claim, and we heard this in Numbers 14, that they would have been better off back in Egypt, where they'd come from rather than forwards in the land God was taking them to. Striking that, isn't it? They've obviously forgotten they've been rescued from slavery. And when they got to the very border of the land, right on the edge, where God had promised to take them, and it was going to be a wonderful land, they did a U-turn. There was this kind of full-scale mutiny. That's what we read in Numbers 14. They decided to pick their own leader, pick their own direction, ignore God's word, reject his promises, uh, um, disobey his commands... And apart from Caleb and Joshua, they all rebelled. And God said, okay, if you're not going to believe me, if you won't have faith in my promises, if you keep hardening your heart to my voice, you will not enter. That's the end of our quote. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And they didn't. That whole generation of adults over 20 didn't make it into God's promised rest. Now, next week, we're going to think about what that promised rest was talking about, the kind of picture of of God's rest and and the eternal rest that Robin mentioned earlier. We'll think about that next week. But this week, it's really simple. This week, the message is, do not be like them. Learn the lesson from that disastrous journey. Never again. Never us. We're not going to do it like that. The equivalent of you must pack headphones and check the road closures, but it's far more simple, but far more serious, isn't it? Because eternity's at stake. It's so serious. We're going to go quite slowly through the command God gives us in verses 12 and 13. 
Um, you may, just to say, you may even now have some questions about, oh, hang on, I thought, I thought if, if I'm a Christian, I thought God will get me to the end. Don't we sing that song, He Will Hold Me Fast? Like, so how does this work? How can this warning apply to us? Well, we are going to come back to those questions, so just hold fire on them. Um, but I'm keen to start where the passage starts, which is verses 12 and 13, taking this command and unpacking it for us. And to understand what it means, we've got five T's today, five T's. Um, uh, here's, here are the first four of them. Today, take care, together, to not harden your hearts. Today, take care, together, to not harden your hearts. Hopefully you'll see those are just coming straight out of verses 12 and 13. So let's, let's start with the first one, today. Um, uh, it's there in the, the, the psalm, isn't it? Verse 7, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And it's there in the application. Just look at verse 13. Um, Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. Why is he saying today? Two reasons, I think. One is urgent. Don't think, oh, tomorrow I'll take the Bible seriously. Tomorrow I'll, I'll respond to what God said. No, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Amazing how many people think, oh, oh later in life, I'm going to get right with God. Um, but by that point, their hearts are so hard, they can't even hear him. Today, urgency. But also, I think regularity kind of, it's a continuous command, isn't it? It's not like a one-off, at the start, plot the di- right direction and then you'll be fine. No, it's saying today, every day, as long as it's called today, every day, um, take this command seriously, take God's voice seriously. So if you're concerned about the long-term future, getting to God's rest, as we all should be, well, just be careful today with what you do with the Bible. That's the first word, today. Secondly, take care. Again, it's right there in the verses, isn't it? Verse 12, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Lots of us take care about many things, um, for me, it's my keys and wallet. I always lose them, so I've, I've, I take care now. I always check, have I got them with me when I leave? And for others, it'll be, it'll be our appearance or our, our, um, our, our insurance or flats or cars or MOTs or something else that you take real care over. I wonder if we have the same kind of attention and care, concern, keeping a watch on, keeping an eye out for our hearts when it comes to God's word. Take care. T number three, together. This one is actually the one that surprised me. When I, when I first kind of saw this in Hebrews 3, I was surprised by this. Look at how corporate verses 12 and 13 are, this kind of shared responsibility. So verse 12, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Striking, isn't it? It's a collective effort. It's a kind of joint responsibility. I do think that's a challenge to us in the West. We we have breathed in uh, individualism in our society without even realizing how much it's actually in in there. Easy to think that with spirituality, kind of that's that's between me and God. That's my business. And certainly someone else's walk, um, spiritual walk, is none of my business. That's between them and God. I think sometimes we can think of the Christian life like this. Um, some of you may have seen this picture before. Oops. 
Um, let's go back this picture. Um, there's a tiny man running through the desert, um, if you can't see it at the back. Um, sorry, it's quite uh, faded. Um, I actually came across this picture when I was, I was trying to find a kind of visual that we could use for our whole Hebrew series. It was going to be on all the, all the kind of um, branding and publicity and things, um, and I failed. <laughs> the reason why this one failed uh, is it's brilliant at the location. The Christian life actually is a journey through a wilderness. We may not realize that, but that's what Hebrews 3 and 4, that's where Hebrews 3 and 4 is placing us. We're not yet home. We're not in God's promised rest with all its fullness of, of blessings. And the good life is still to come, you might say. And we'll think more about that next week. So the, the location's fine. And actually, the activity is fine. He's running in that picture. And Hebrews will describe the Christian life as a race. We're running the race. But the problem is, he's a solo runner. And that is nothing like Hebrews or the Christian life. Uh, we really want, if you can imagine it, you know those pictures you get of like the London Marathon or the Edinburgh Marathon where there's a real clump of runners all kind of encouraging each other along, um, but, but then combine that with like um, a, a, a desert rally or something where it's kind of a, a clump going through the wilderness. Like I said, I couldn't find a picture. Um, that's the picture here. 3 verse 12, exhort one another every day. Sorry, 3.13. 3.12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Whose responsibility is it to get my heart, to keep my heart trusting all the way to the end? Well, yours, as well as mine. Striking. That's why we are always saying about, at the end of church, please do stay around, please have a coffee, please, please chat about what we've heard. It's a key time to help each other respond to what God said in his word. Uh, some folk might, be, might have found it really challenging and may just need some, some encouragement. Um, others may be puzzled and need some clarification. It's great to be chatting about these things. And actually, on this corporate application thing, it only takes a moment of thinking about what was going on with Israel in Numbers 14 on that disastrous journey to realize how much influence the collective group actually has. You see, what happened was a mass mutiny there were grumblings, and they began to grow and spread across the community. And then there were questions being raised. Is God really going to do this? Is, is that promised rest really real? Is this really best for our families and for our friends? Wouldn't there be an alternative path? It was a collective effort, a mass revolt. And likewise, we can have a collective positive effort to encourage each other to keep sticking with God's word. Okay, so Psalm 95 says, learn the lesson from their journey. Don't be like them. Let's exhort each other to keep each other going on the long journey to God's rest. Three T's down. Um, one more uh, of our first four. Uh, so um, finally, today take care together to not harden your hearts. This is the Spirit's message to the church today. Today take care together to not harden our hearts. Again, that's all over the passage, isn't it? Uh, it's at the start of the quote in verse 7, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. It's the problem in verse 12 to keep an eye out for. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Uh, it's the issue in verse 13. It's the reason we exhort each other, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What is a hardened heart? Well, it's a heart that's become like a brick wall. God's word just bounces off. It's no longer soft and pliable and responsive. It's just like a brick wall. 
And a heart in the Bible isn't just our kind of touchy-feely bit. It's not just our emotions. It's our, kind of, it's our core being. It's who we are. And so this is a person, a hard-hearted person, where God's word just has no impact on, on how I think, what I say, what I do, um, how I plan, and what I care about, my affections. That's included. Take care, lest that happens to any heart in this room or watching online. Again, Israel is a kind of test case in the, in the wilderness. They, they showed what it looks like to harden your heart. And it was things like this. They doubted God's promises. I don't think he can deliver. They doubted God's goodness. I don't think he has our best interests in heart. They ignored his commands. I'm not going to do that. What about you? And they just disbelieved his word. And today we need to learn the lesson. Take care not to harden our hearts. Let's pause and get practical on that. Um, And this would be a great thing to talk about. I think this is just a really good thing to talk about. What would it look like for us to harden our hearts? How do we help each other not harden our hearts? Um, Well, here's a a, a few things to think about. Um, First off, if you're here and you're somebody who's not a Christian, um, this is a a, uh, warning to you as well, I guess. All of us default kind of ignore what God says. That's how we start in life. And now when, when we're hearing the voice of the Creator offering eternal salvation, there's a real question, what are you going to do with that? Just going to push it to the side? Just going to say, oh, that was a nice talk. Are you actually going to listen, take it seriously? I think it is a warning if you're, if you're not a believer here. But actually notice the, the people in Israel in, in the wilderness were kind of part, visibly part of God's community. Like look at verse 16. Uh, who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? So actually, we're talking about the people who are sat here, kind of in church, visibly, hearing the Bible taught. The question is what we do with the Bible when we hear it taught. Verse 13 talks about how sin can deceive us. That's how our hearts can get hardened. What sorts of lies does sin say to deceive us into hardening our heart to God's word? Well, let me run through a few of the lies that that, that generation of Israel fell for. Lie number one, the life you came from is better than the life God's taking you to. We sometimes find that tug, don't we? I mentioned it last week, someone who was feeling weary, feeling like, wouldn't life be easier, more fun, less conflict, more freedom, less serving, less struggling if I just wasn't a Christian, looking over the fence like that. But, it, but it's deceit, it's sin deceiving us, because the life Israel came from was slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt. It wasn't a time of freedom at all. And we heard that in Hebrews 2, that Jesus has rescued us from slavery, the fear of death. Uh, the, the rule of the devil. Like, that's what we've been rescued from. Don't believe the lie. Don't harden our hearts to God's promise to take us somewhere better. Likewise, in Israel, they hardened their hearts to God's character. They thought, well, our circumstances aren't great right now in the wilderness. So, can we really trust that God's got our best interests in heart? Is he really a, a father who can look after us? That happens to Christians, that temptation. God hasn't given me the, the spouse I want, the children I want, the job I want, the health I want, the life I want. So why should I listen to him about anything else? 
hardening our heart to his voice. And the Israelites doubted that God could actually deliver on the promises he made, particularly given there were scary forces around them. Enemies in the land, they looked too big, too scared to trust God. And again, for this Hebrews church and for us, that can be a reason we harden our hearts to God's voice. We're just too scared to be public as Christians. And so we we start to not listen to God's call to do that. Those are some major categories to learn from Israel. But I think it would be great to talk more about that. Like, how do we go about hardening our hearts to God's word? It might be that you, you pick and choose. There are some bits of the Bible you love and other bits that you just don't want to go anywhere near. Careful. Take care today not to harden our hearts. I think there are ways we can do it kind of collectively as well. So just think about a, a typical small group and what goes on. Uh, small groups are absolutely wonderful, a chance together as a family to come and listen to God speak to us and discuss it and ask questions and apply it. But it is possible to turn a small group into a heart-hardening support group, <laughs> as in we're encouraging each other not to listen to what God's actually saying in the passage. It can happen in loads of ways. There's the kind of academic study kind of way, the kind of, let, instead of we're a family gathered to listen and to be changed, it can be a, this is like an evening class, and we've just come to learn some information, to kind of puff ourselves up of what we know. One of the tests of that, actually, is whether we go in looking for novelty or not. If I've just come to find out something new, because I'm just interested, or actually, am I happy for God to say something I've heard before, but still need to hear? Or it might be that um, in a group we can kind of take issue with or have a problem with the particular style of a leader or the style of a study. Or sometimes we might say, well, oh, that's just the Chalmers line. Now, I hope there are no lines, Chalmers says, that don't come from God's word. That's a good thing to check. But if the Bible's saying it, well, let's not harden our hearts to God's voice by saying, oh, that's just Chalmers or that's just this particular leader. Likewise with the preacher, uh, a particular illustration might not be great, or the way we explain something might not be great, or we go on too long. I mean, that definitely happens with me. I'm sorry. Uh, and let me be clear. I'm the first to admit that we could definitely improve things up here. Like, our, our talks often could be clearer or better applied or, or, or simpler or shorter. But please don't let the human messenger, with all of our flaws and failings, please don't let that distract us from what God's actually saying, the living God, the Holy Spirit, as he addresses us from his word. To put it another way, if Sunday lunch is often roast preacher, we're probably not talking about what God's voice has just said. Same in a small group, that sometimes um, it's great if a small group is a lot of fun and really warm and a place where we can be open and chat. But at some point, there should be a seriousness because God is addressing us. When we come to application, it actually matters that we apply and, and, and think, what difference does this make to how we think or how we love God or, or how we behave? Today, together, take care to not harden our hearts. And it's not just when we're together. When reading our Bibles um, personally, for me, I think the biggest danger is not, is not actually that I don't get my Bible open each day. It's that when I get my Bible open, I just tick the box. I just read a few verses, done that, and on, rather than actually responding. Dangerous. Okay, those are our big first four. What's the Holy Spirit got to say to the church today? Well, today, take care together to not harden your heart. 
And it does sound like hard work, doesn't it, all that? <laughs> I mean, exhorting each other, we don't like doing that, that's quite hard. Uh, kind of trying hard whenever we're hearing the Bible, taught up front or in small groups or just one-to-one or in, in our own homes. Uh, to, to actually take it seriously sounds like hard work. So why does it matter so much? Why should we be motivated to do this? Well, this is our final T, a much more brief... Um, ooh, it's not coming up. Can you bunch us on one? Oh, it's frozen. We may never know what the final T is. <laughs> um, excellent, thank you. Thank you. Let me just see if I'm back on. Okay, good. I'm back on. Good. Um, so why does it matter so much? Well, our final T is to not miss out on God's rest. That's the whole point of Hebrews 3 and 4. It's the whole reason he's turning back to the journey through the desert in Numbers. The stakes are really high. We're going to see that next week more, that the stakes are eternal. God's eternal rest is what we're talking about. And if you look at chapter 4, verse 1, 4, verse 1, that makes it clear that Christians should have a healthy sense of fear. Let me read it. Therefore, 4, verse 1, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have seemed to have failed to reach it. There's lots of fear in the Christian life that's not healthy, that Jesus saves us from. But actually, this fear, this concern of, I really want to make it, I really want my friends and family and my church family to make it, this is a healthy fear. One of Jesse's biggest, my wife's biggest um, prayers for me and for the children is that each of us will be standing on the final day trusting Jesus. It's a great prayer. It's a great thing to be concerned about with all the other things we worry about in life. Actually, that's the biggest one. Look how um, similar our situation is to them. Just 4 verse 2. Good news came to us, gospel came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. What he's saying is it's not enough just to hear the Bible. We need to actually trust, have faith. That's basic to being a Christian. You don't become a Christian by hanging around Christians. You become a Christian by trusting in Jesus. Um, But actually, you keep going as a Christian by continuing to trust in Jesus' voice in the Word of God. Now, at that point, and this is our last few minutes together, um, but I think it's important to address, at that point, I think there might well be a few different reactions. So we've said that we need to take care today on how we hear God's voice, to not miss out on the, the coming rest, God's rest. And it might well be there are, there are really three different reactions in the room. The first, I think, is the kind of presumptuous, complacent kind of, I don't need to worry about that kind of reaction. Um, I don't know if there is anyone here like that, but, but it is possible to have real kind of self-confidence. Like, I come from a good Christian family. I've always been around church. I do loads of stuff, serving, like, I really don't think Hebrews 3 and 4 was written for people like me. I'm absolutely fine, thank you very much. Why don't you give that message to the flaky types who aren't always here? If that is you, or if that temptation to that attitude ever comes into our minds, let me say gently and firmly, it is not about the amount of time spent in church. These people left Egypt with Moses, remember verse 16. It's not about how much good Bible teaching you listen to on podcasts, These people heard the gospel from Moses himself. The key issue is the heart response. And because sin is deceitful, it is possible to be presumptuous, 
to think, oh yeah, 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 I listen to God, whilst there are whole areas of our lives where we're hardening our heart to his voice. Areas of our lives we won't allow his word to address. And Hebrews says, if that's us, chapter 4, verse 1, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Just be careful. Take care today to not harden your heart. That's the first response. I'm absolutely fine. Though I suspect there's more people in the, in the second category of response, which is the I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> like I thought once I was a Christian I was safe, and now it sounds like I may not be safe, and the only thing that's going to keep me safe is my own efforts to listen and to not harden my heart. You may be aware of yourself not actually being that strong spiritually or as a Christian. Your, your confidence and trust in, in the gospel not always feeling rock solid. And so maybe this passage absolutely terrifies you. If that's you, I think 4 verse 1 is still a good verse. Because there is a kind of fear in the Christian life that's healthy fear. The fear of, I would never want to walk away from Jesus. Lord, please help me to not walk away from you. Help me to keep trusting you. Healthy fear in the Christian life is, um, for an illustration, it's, it's like walking along a coastal path. You're on the right path. If you just stay on the path, you'll be fine. You'll make it all the way to the destination. But there is a cliff edge over there, and there's a sign, a Hebrews 3 type sign, a Psalm 95 type sign saying, warning, death this way. <laughs> I don't think they put that on the National Trust signs, but you know what I mean. Like, cliff edge, do not leave the path. Do not leave the path. The results will be disastrous. The way God keeps his people is through warnings like these. Now, it's worth saying, there may be some here who um, aren't just healthily warned, healthy fear that I never want to walk away from Jesus. There might be some who are genuinely kind of paralyzed by fear, kind of terrified and anxious. If that is you, it's worth saying, sometimes our mental health or physical health can play a significant part in that kind of anxiety. And I'd really encourage you to talk to someone. Talk to a small group leader or a member of the ministry team or a friend. Um, ask someone to, to pray with you and for you. Remember, of course, that the third T is together. This is a group exercise. And actually, we can help each other, either with unwarranted complacency, like the exhortation that says, come on, we need to take God's word seriously, or the absolutely terrified kind of over-anxiety, the trapped inside our own head kind of, I don't know how to get out. I don't feel strong enough. I'm not going to make it. Maybe I'm not even a Christian. If that's you, talk to someone. We're to do this together. Actually, if that is you feeling scared, we need to remember what this word of God actually says to us. Because the message that's come to us is the message of grace, the salvation by grace gospel. God was always going to, God has promised to take us to his rest in Jesus. Let me just put up some pictures. Do you remember what we saw last week, for example? We saw that Jesus was a faithful apostle. Jesus sent this message to us. And the message he brought is of great salvation. In fact, he's not just the messenger down. He's the, the priest upwards. He represents us to God. As in, Jesus does everything necessary to get us right with God. All we have to do is stick with him, stick with his voice. And if we're struggling to do that, he will help us. That's why if you look to the end of the passage, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, 4, verse 12, we'll see this in a couple of weeks, we get how the word of God can help us. It can, it can discern and, and pierce through the lies that sin tells us. 
And even better than that, 4 verse 14 to 16, Jesus says, the priest can help us. He's done this journey. He knows our weaknesses, verse 15. And chapter 4 verse 16, we can have confidence to draw near the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Do you see the point? If you're feeling like you're not strong enough to make it, yeah, that's true. But Jesus, the priest, can help. In fact, in lots of ways, this is my last picture, so if you're fading, zone in for the last picture. In lots of ways, Hebrews so far has been saying, um, Jesus can save us. So here's some pictures for Hebrews so far. Um, We saw initially, chapters 1 and 2, that Jesus is a great speaker. He's the enthroned speaker. He's greater than prophets and angels and Moses. But what message does he bring? Well, the message of salvation, the free gift of salvation. Then we heard how Jesus is our great brother. He's come down from the throne in heaven um, to be alongside us, to, to, to achieve salvation by dying on the cross for us. And now we're getting this massive warning. Don't harden your heart to God's voice. But the voice we're talking about is the voice who's just offered us salvation through his work, his sacrifice. Does that make sense? It's not a kind of 50-50, okay, I've done some of the work, now you have to do the rest. No, it's, I've done 100% of the work, so listen to me. Stay on the path. Don't walk away from Jesus, who does it all. And if you're still not exactly sure, how does Jesus as priest really help us? And well, I'm pleased to say the next five chapters are going to be about that. We're going to have lots about Jesus as priest, and that's to come. Uh, We won't look at that now. Okay. Final thing to say, um, final response, because uh, our time really is up. Uh, we've talked about if you think you're absolutely fine, just take care. If you think you're absolutely terrified, talk to someone and look to Jesus, the priest. Ask for help. He, he does offer it and will provide it. But finally, what about if we're just now confused? Just confused. <laughs> because I am pretty sure John's gospel says that um, everyone who's in Jesus' hands... Uh, he will get to to the end. No one can snatch a Christian out of Jesus' hands. It does say that. I thought Romans 8 says, no one can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. That's true. Everyone um, who's a real Christian, God takes all the way to the end. So now we're perhaps confused. (laughs) What is it? Should we worry? Should we not worry? Do real Christians fall away? Well, no, actually. Verse 14 of our passage, 314, every real Christian does make it to the end. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our confidence firm to the end. But then how does being warned fit with that? Well, here's, I think, a profoundly important truth. The way God keeps us is through warnings like this. The way by his Spirit he keeps us on the path is the sign saying, whatever you do, don't walk off the cliff edge. And people with faith, Christians, where the Spirit is working in our hearts, heed the warning. Take it seriously. We don't say, oh no, that's not me. We say, oh, that must not be me. I don't want that to be me. Lord, help it not be me. As a final illustration, um, if you've ever seen my son Josh, and I guess some of you might not have because you're at this service rather than the other one. Um, if, if you've ever met him, he's quite an enthusiastic fellow. Like He prefers to run or dance rather than stand still or sit. Um, and that's a real problem when it comes to staying on the pavement on the side road by our house. Um, he, he just wants to run. And I've had to issue some very stern warnings to Josh. I've said to him, I'm telling you, Josh, 
if you run out between those parked cars, when a car is coming along, you could get hit. And actually, there, there may be no way to, to put that right. It's too late once it's happened, so you must take my voice seriously. The warning is what keeps him on the pavement, keeps him safe. There was one day, though, one of the scariest days of my life, actually, when he, um, <laughs> he wasn't really thinking. He saw something exciting, and he did just he tried to go for it. Um, thankfully, I was holding the hood. He didn't know this, but I was holding his hood because I just wondered if he was going to try something. Um, was able to pull him, pull him around the corner, stay on the pavement. Now, it's not a great illustration because God doesn't hold our hoodie. He's working in our hearts by his spirit. But the point is, God is the one sovereignly keeping us safe, but he does it through these warnings. And when we're tempted to wander, his spirit will be tugging. Stay on the path. When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And it may be, as we close, that today there's, it may be this passage is just coming at a really opportune time for someone here or for many of us here where we have actually been hardening our hearts to God's voice. We've been dabbling in sin, even, we, even though we know he says not to. Uh, we've been doubting his promises, even though we know he's reliable. We've been wondering if the life we came from is actually better offer than the life he's taking us to. If that's you, you may want to take some time by yourself or with a friend to, to pray afterwards and say sorry, and pray for that help to today soften our hearts. Let me pray as we stop. Our Father in heaven, we do pray very much by your Spirit that you would help us have soft hearts when we hear your voice. Pray that for today. Pray that for tomorrow. Pray that for our whole life as a church, that we would be those who encourage each other to take your voice seriously. Please help us have that love for one another, that healthy, healthy fear of not making it. And therefore, the real confidence and joy we can have sticking close to Jesus, our high priest, and seeking help and mercy in time of need from him. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.